Um, Channel 10. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash channel 10. There you will have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I'm currently listening to The Martian by Andy Weir. Uh, It's the book that the movie The Martian is based off of, and it's great. If you've never listened to an audio book, definitely check that out. And for all my hip-hop heads who are also in the self-improvement, I also recommend The 50th Law by 50 Cent and Robert Greene, narrated by the authors themselves. So definitely go check those out at audibletrial.com slash channel. 10. Also, you can support the podcast just by shopping on Amazon at no cost to you. All you have to do is go to channel10podcast.com and click on the Amazon link at the top and anything that you purchase will get a little kickback off at no cost to you. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead, support. One last thing, make sure you rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. That way, our podcast gets higher in the rankings and we can gain a bigger audience, bring you bigger guests, and keep giving you this great content that we do week after week. With we that, like let's get into the show. And we used to think the people would catch on. <laughs> no, but like, if you're not from Queens, <laughs> if you don't got Time Warner or whatever, <laughs> like, well, I didn't know that. Yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up, on, man? What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Well, what up? All good, baby, in every hood, son. Well, what up? Yep. CNN, Network, Channel 10. It's on again. Network Street Network niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network, Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Call is now being recorded. Yo. Yo, what up world, this is the Channel 10 Podcast, this week we're back to old school style, guestless, just me and Singard in the building. Yeah man, it's kind of weird man. <laughs> yeah, we always uh, got so used to uh, to having someone else um, and talking to them, um, but now we're getting back to the essence, I guess what's the episodes 1 through 19. <laughs> Yeah, man, we got to start putting, like, different errors on these different periods that we're going through with this podcast so yeah. far. And if, this is, and if this is your first episode, um, definitely go back and check out um, some of our interviews that we've done. We've had uh, Al Shipley, who writes for the Baltimore City Paper, Rolling Stone, Complex, Fader, etc. Um, Emmy Award-winning journalist Davey Sutton. Um the writer of the most extensive uh, book on Bone Thugs and Harmony history, Matteo Urella. Uh, we've had uh, Brace Saga, who's a dope artist from Baltimore. Um, we just put out a project that's dope called Retro Future. Uh, we've had, of course, can't forget Schoolie D, the dopest interview that anyone's done ever with Schoolie D. Yeah. Um. We've had uh, DJ Bullman, who broke down Baltimore club music history in a way that I've never heard. Um, and we're definitely grateful to have that on. 
Um, by the time you hear this, we'll have Chill Moody out, who is the musical ambassador of Philadelphia. I mean, we're on a roll right now. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's it's crazy to think. I mean, we I remember when you know when we first started and we were talking about guests, some you know somewhere down the line, and we didn't think that you know, and that's just kind of getting the ball rolling with Al Shipley that it would kind of snowball into what almost two three months just like full of guests yeah full of and not even just guests but you know real guests with some with some clout and some stories and some great <clears throat> great uh just you know knowledge and gems to drop so uh definitely go and check out those episodes um if you haven't already, channel10podcast.com and look us and look us up on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and you know wherever else we should be there. But um, yeah, well, uh, I guess quick quick uh, podcast business, man. I, I think uh, our regular listeners, which we do have some, we do have some regular listeners. Maybe not too many, but we do have we, we do have them. Um, I realize that you know. It's coming, it's, you know, uh, our first anniversary is coming up kind of soon. Mm. In March. Mm. So, maybe we should just start trying to think about what we would do for that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Um, yeah, we definitely got to do something real special for that. Um, maybe have like, I don't know, maybe we could do like a round table with some guests that don't know each other that you know have some clout in the game and maybe put some people together or i don't know something we're gonna do something crazy i know that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean well i don't well and then i think we need to uh, reminisce over our very first episode the yo you hear me which is classic but yet terrible in its own right right <laughs> <laughs> exactly um with uh all of the uh audio uh artifacts and defects in it and everything <laughs> yeah but um oh, yeah should be fun definitely man but um it's been a while since we kicked it like this on air so how have you been man i've, I've been i've been all right you know just just busy man just doing things in two different spheres and trying to you know, properly balance everything, which I think I'm doing, you know, pretty well for the most part. Right. What about yourself? I've uh, just been doing the same, just trying to balance all different kind of spheres and turn them into a Venn diagram so that they uh, overlap at some point. <laughs> um, and so I don't neglect any of them. I think the one I'm neglecting most is my eating, but I'm about to get that back on track. But, um, uh, a quick plug, um, I do have my club music projects out. Uh, you can check out 410 Music Factory. Uh, the website is coming soon, 410musicfactory.com. And then I do have some music up on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, Tidal, and wherever else you go to listen to music. Uh, got some stuff up on SoundCloud and our Audio Mac as well, so check that out. And also... I'm working on some new rap music coming soon. AlmightyAR.com. Check that out. Um, so that's all coming up. So a quick plug for my projects. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just uh, working, 
uh, on my own stuff, working for the man, and uh, trying to uh, keep everything, everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I feel you, man. You're, well, I, you know, we're both dealing with large, big-ass corporations in certain aspects. Yeah. Of course, uh, of course, I'm talking about a specific one. The other one I will not talk about, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting because, um, it's weird when you are like, you know, we exist in this realm, but at the same time, we have to keep our regular lives afloat. So it's like, what do you want to say and what not to say? And, you know, off air, I've had a lot to say and you've had a lot to say about our respective situations. But, um, you know, it's the same type of stuff that, you know, everybody goes through in regular life trying to balance everything and, you know, um, I guess going back to another episode that we've had, um, I guess before we had the guests, uh, being uh, outliers um, on the American experience, um, when you are outside of the norm of what your typical American is and what they do, trying to balance certain things and still exist in the regular world and not be a weirdo outcast uh, as much because, you know, we're weirdo outcasts, I guess. But I guess to the point where you can't even exist, um, you have to kind of balance everything. So, Well, yeah, yeah actually, uh, speaking of that, I guess I kind of had a, a Venn diagram of my own where, you know, both of my, my two worlds collided. Um, I think last week in the, uh, you know, the um, in the, in the sphere that, that I won't mention. Um, but it's kind of funny. Mm. So, um, you know, I'm hooking my computer up, well, at least one of my computers to a projector to, you know, to show stuff. And, you know, I, I had to go to one of my emails to get a specific thing that I needed to show stuff. And I was thinking outside of, you know, I was thinking that I was in my own little world, which is also a bad thing being an introvert because I'm always in my, in my damn mind. I automatically automatically go to you know to this to to this sphere email wise. Mm. So I start putting my stage name up, plugging plugging it in <laughs> on this large projector <laughs> in front of you know humans, other humans outside the sphere, and I didn't realize it until I started putting like the password. And of course, you know, of course, people couldn't see that, but when I realized. What what I was doing to what, and it was right before I was about to press enter. Cause you know, you just, just do it so fast. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, Oh man, I just, I just messed up. And so I, I looked around cause I'm like, I looked back and I was hoping that no one was going to even, even ask the question about what is that name? <laughs> mm. Cause I, I have gotten that before, you know, well, not in this room and you know, in other, in other places. Um, but I looked around and I just saw that they were just kind of like, they were just looking at it. They didn't really, they didn't, they didn't inquire about it. They didn't say anything about it at all, but mm -hmm. I'm still curious to know if they ever Googled it. Mm. So and, just for the listeners, um, I guess you haven't done this on the podcast that I can remember. Um, just give a breakdown of your name, Sengar Superior. Oh, so, yeah, so I guess that's, uh, that would be a good thing to do. Um... 
Well, I guess there are three different elements to Sin God Superior. Like, originally, my name was just Sin. And when I was, you know, I wanted to be like a, a lyrical miracle type rapper when I was coming up as a preteen. So I figured that if I was looking in a dictionary, I could find something. So I came up with the acronym Sin for Seriously Ill Nigger. Didn't work out the way I thought it would be. I thought, <laughs> I thought it would. And then when I started, you know, reading more about you know, different esoteric topics and, and I guess getting more into my black self, you know, the God came in, you know, mixed with, you know, I guess the, the Wu-Tangs and the killer armies of the world. Peace um, to the gods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always peace of the God. So the, the whole God part is also, it, it, you know, represents, you know, I guess, you know, I guess this whole God aspect, but also hip hop, you know, because this whole term of being God is a very, very hip hop aspect, as we know. Right. And this superior, you know, superior is being superior um, in your own way, you know, individuality. And I felt as though that if I had seen God, it seemed like a very, you know, um, a, a, a name that kind of stands out and so if it's at the, at the superior it stands out even more making making me be more superior in my own way so essentially sing god is the balance and the superior is like the the balancing of this balance that i have which still kind of you know clashes with each other i think which everyone has mm. that's deep <laughs> That's a uh, real hip hop right there. Um, so yeah, Saint God Superior. For those who uh, look at the name and be like, "Yo, what is that?" There you go. Yeah, and of course we, and yeah, so you know, when, I guess going back to my story too, you know, I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people who are listening to this right now from you know that that different sphere. I no know they aren't stupid, you know? <laughs> and I think I have a I have a pretty distinct voice. At least to them, so. Well, if you have any questions, those are cleared up right there. Yeah, and then if you have even more questions, hit, it up, hit us up at channel10podcast at dot com if you want to talk about that, not the other email that you may know of. Right, not right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Please, not that one. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess going into uh, hip-hop, um, it's a lot of interesting things going on right now. Um, it's so much, so, uh, so much to talk about. Um, I guess with me, like I was saying before, uh, we started recording. Um, it's a lot of disappointment. Like, I don't know. Like this year started off really strong, um, and I was surprised by a couple projects that I didn't think were going to be so dope. Like, you know, it's the Big Sean. Um, the Kendrick Lamar was dope. Um, and I guess, there are, I don't know, I guess this depends on where you're looking. Because, you know, even recently, the um, Sean Price joint was dope. Rest in peace to him. And um, I did skim through Mac Miller a little bit, and that was kind of ill. But I guess the joints that everybody is talking about and that were most anticipated to me were letdowns. Um, one being J-Rock's album. And uh, another one being the uh, highly anticipated Drake and Future album. And um, another disappointment for me was uh, the battle between Loaded Lux and Calico. Mm -hmm. And um, Loaded Lux, he definitely caught the L on that. And it's like he's been catching L's 
a lot of L's recently. Like, ever since uh, his, I mean, not Lolux and Calico, Lolux versus Charlie Clips, um, he caught the L on that. And um, Loaded Lux recently went up against a couple other people, like Hollow the Don and Murder Mook. And, um, you know, I guess him versus Hollow. You know, of course, you know, the people who are Lux stands are going to say that Lux won or that it wasn't completely lopsided. But um, I think Hollow got him on that. And then Murder Mook just kind of dismantled him. And then Clips, you know, I was looking online to see the reactions. I thought Clips got him two to one. Some people are saying Clips got him three to zero. Some people saying Lux won two to one. But, um, I, you know, Clips definitely, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a uh, shining performance, I don't think. So that kind of disappointed me as well. Um, and I'm still going through Summer Madness 5. Um, I don't know if you know uh, Tay Rock from Baltimore. Not for the name. Yeah, um, he was battling Calico. And, you know, Tay Rock from Baltimore, of course, he's the gun bar king. And, um... You know, from the uh, bit that I did see of the battle, he definitely represented. So, shout out to him. Um, we should probably get him as a guest now. I'm thinking about it. This <laughs> shit, sure why not? Yeah. But, um, I don't know, man. This hip-hop stuff that's going on right now is, is uh, very interesting. Uh, what do you think about everything that's going on? Um... You know, I mean, I've been thinking about it, and I think we've kind of touched on this in certain aspects, in that, um, you know, I mean, I think this era of hip-hop, uh, you know, I guess you could, I would say maybe from like 20, since 2010, um, has probably been one of the most fruit, you know, one of the more fruitful eras in a while. Because, you know, I would say like 2000 to 2009, well, not you. Let me see. Fifty Cent came out in two thousand three. Right. I'm thinking about Fifty Cent and Nelly, like around the time of Nellyville. Maybe two thousand two. Maybe like from two thousand two to like two thousand eight. It was always kind of like a hit or miss to me. Mm-hmm. Because in a way, you know, we you know you had like the like the. You had like Def Jokes and them still kind of going strong, but then they did lose their steam after a while, you know, in the midst of all this, you know, all, all the hip hop blogs that came up. So I was look, I was thinking about 2010, so, you know, it's like now, you know, with um, with Kendrick Lamar coming out, Jake, Jake Cole doing what he was doing, um, Tech Nine just be, become, you know, becoming this dominant figure, you know, all, all this type of stuff, you know, going on. And then, from there into like this new thing with, you know, um, black hippie, you know, different elements of hip hop coming into, coming into the scene, the drill, the drill scene coming bigger and not exactly. And I'm not, I don't, I don't exactly mean as in fruitful as in everything that I would like to listen to, but there's much, much, much more variety than it's ever been in a long time, probably arguably since the nineties. I would have, say. Yeah, I think on a um on a commercial level, that's definitely the case. Um a lot more options and stuff like that. I don't know, I guess 
you know, the perspective is interesting sometimes because, you know, like, um, these days, you know, I'm out here in these streets <laughs> and I'm out here like today I was on the train and a dude just had his phone plugged up into like, you know how like you're supposed to wear your headphones on the train yeah. or whatever. And so like niggas don't care. Niggas going to play their music from their phone on the train and they don't give a fuck. But this one dude, I was coming back tonight. He had his phone plugged up into some speakers. <laughs> oh wow! And but he was actually blasting. Um, uh, he was like on some New York type stuff. Like he was blasting some uh, of that fabulous mixtape where he was going over the '90s beats, and then that brought me back. Like oh damn! Like I did forget about that. Like fabulous is really killing it out here, and there is some diversity to everything that is going on. Um, so, you know, I would have to agree with you. I mean, we have everything going on now from Odd Feature and Tyler, the Creator, and Earl Sweatshirt to, um, you know, Fabulous to Drake and J. Cole and Kendrick and, you know, everything going to White Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And then, oh, yeah, then, and then, see, like, they, they, I mean, like, there are so many different sects. And then, like, you know, you can't forget about Childish Gambino and with the black rich kids or the the new black right right and um I, I went back and listened to certain elements of because of the internet and you know eventually i just kind of skipped a whole bunch of shit and that's when i went to sweatpants and i was thinking about how sweatpants you know i guess socially actually in a way it's kind of important because it, because it 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 emphasizes the black middle class, which is something that we all know about, right? Mm-hmm. But it's something that really isn't, you know, all out there like that amongst, you know, I guess people who are who aren't into like sociology or academia or who don't exactly you know pick up the New York Times every every Sunday, you know what I'm saying? And you know, of course, hip hop nowadays is the best way to try to get this type, this type of shit out. And sweatpants, and the whole album essentially is literally just about a black, rich, middle class nigga. Yeah, and um, I think it's cool because I mean, like in hip hop years, Charles Gambino is older, but he's actually pretty young, especially because. When you think about like the black middle class type music, um, typically it seems like it's done by the older cats, like um, like a De La Soul. I guess they call it grown man rap. You know, like the the, the like the later De La Soul albums, or like um, even like a Little Brother or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Where um, I remember at one point. Um, I saw in the media they were trying to get it to be like adult contemporary hip-hop or whatever and create a new genre for, you know, 30 and over hip-hop or whatever. But um, it seems like it's kind of trickling down into, um, I guess, Childish Gambino. And then younger than him, you have the Jaden Smiths coming up and and people like that who are going to make an impact in the game, you know, once they start to get older, so... Um, I think that's definitely going to be a shift, um, you know, coming up in the future. So, and then, you know, even like J. Cole, you know, he's not, you know, he, uh, well, I guess he does have that, that, that struggle background, but, um, 
it's kind of weird because um, I guess thinking about our upbringing, um, it's kind of like we were kind of like in the middle, at least with me in particular, it's kind of like in the middle because, you know, we can talk about that struggle upbringing and, and, you know, at least with me, you know, also seeing the other side of things. But then you have everything kind of before me was one side and it seems like the things that are after are going to be the whole other side. Mm. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting shift uh, when that shift does happen, once the Jaden Smiths and the people, you know, in his age bracket and under him who are in that type of realm, you know, start to come up. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, so you, and then you, and I guess and also in that genre who was, I would say, arguably more important than, Childish Gambino would be um the acid rap dude. Oh, uh, Chance the Rapper. Yeah, Chance the Rap because like for real, like I'm to the point now, like after kind of like analyzing like the trying to fit, like trying to figure out like this period that we're in when it comes to hip hop. I think that Childish Gambino is going to is going to eventually be seen as kind of like a pioneer of. This genre of this is a genre of hip hop music. I don't know what it is exactly at all, but this is a, a specific genre. I mean, that's basically what he said. I think he was doing an interview with uh, Peter Rosenberg. I don't think it was um, Warren Epstein, but I think it was uh, some interview he was doing with Peter Rosenberg on Hot ninety seven. But basically, that's what he said. Like basically, um, and he wasn't being arrogant about it. But he was like, "I'm the forefront of this thing that doesn't have a name yet," but you know. If you go ask Malia Obama, I'm her favorite rapper. You know, people like that, or like a Jaden Smith, like, you know, these uh, black upper class, black upper middle class, middle class people um, who start to gravitate towards this type of music. Yeah, um, but see, but this, is, this is, but this is like another element to it, like this whole aspect to me, which is also like an element that I've been stressing throughout this podcast is that. Kid Cudi started this shit. Whatever the, whatever this thing is, Kid Cudi kind of started it. And the reason why I say Kid Cudi is because you gotta remember the influence that he that he had on 808s and Heartbreak. Hmm. So I really think he doesn't exactly get his props the way he probably should in certain aspects. And he kind of he kind of brought this hippie culture to a certain extent to hip hop. I mean, he's one of them people like. It's like, um, I guess it's like the most deaf thing where you do this one classic album or maybe you might come out with a second one and then afterwards you just start doing like some weird shit with your creativity <laughs> that people don't necessarily uh, grasp onto and so your legacy kind of gets muddied uh, because of that. Um, because you could even go back to, uh, even like a Lupe Fiasco where, you know, I guess he was kind of rooted in the streets, but his music didn't necessarily, um, represent straight street. He represented more of a transition or more of an aspirational type of thing and, you know, kicking more knowledge or whatever. And I think he kind of, um... 
led the way for a lot of things too and then even before him you know Kanye West because that's where Lupe got his first big national shine well see yeah but it's like I, I, I always think of Lupe and Kanye in two different like two different spheres in a sense and that if you if you kind of follow their paths they're still kind of they're still like they're still to this day kind of different and then when and then when Cuddy came see the thing about Cuddy to me is that the reason why I say he kind of started like a lot of this shit is because that was kind of like the beginning when hip hop kind of went back to more psychedelic things mm. because um you know let's look at like ASAP Rocky for example um yeah. the the LSD video yeah, you think about like all these different colors that are starting to pop up, and we know Kanye, you know, did it with you know what was uh, stronger on on um he did it with certain songs off of graduation. No, no, uh, off of um you talking about the all the lights? Yeah, all the light, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. But within this, I guess this modern era, the the only person who I can remember that really did something kind of psychedelic was Kid Cudi and I remember when you sent me like that video saying that I would like it um, from day and night when he had like the monsters chasing him around and shit oh yeah yeah that's a dope video yeah, yeah so I don't know it's interesting because you have certain people like I guess Cudi didn't play up any type of street ties at all whereas with Lupe you kind of knew with Kendrick you know um, trying to think who else. Um, but yeah, he was yeah yeah he was at the forefront, and then even too um, not even with the psychedelic, but you look at somebody like a Wale or whatever. Um, where he he to me he was like the the the, the, the pioneer of this stuff that's going on now, and it's like how they always say the pioneers are the ones who don't get remembered. But you know, I remember. Kid Cudi's album, I'm a kid. Oh, his mixtape, a kid named Cudi, came out through Ten Deep, and the way his mixtape came out was the way Wale's mixtape came out at first, and like Wale laid the blueprint for like a lot of these people that um are coming out now. That mm. and 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 I don't think he necessarily gets his props for that. And you can kind of tell. I mean, well, you can tell that he he really feels that way too. <laughs> like, I mean, like that 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 Warren Epstein interview they did was kind of sad. Like, I just felt kind of bad for him. He doesn't have a home. <laughs> about uh, Wale? Yeah. I mean, the interview that he did on the Breakfast Club, where he was basically just like, it's funny because he was like, you know, he doesn't know if it's because he's dark skinned and it's funny because um, J. Cole says something about, you know, him being light-skinned and Drake being light-skinned. And, and, you know, they're all biracial. And then, you know, even going to Barack Obama being biracial. And it's like, that's that's what you got to be to make it. And, like, J. Cole kind of pointed it out. And, you know, even talking about himself. And, um, you know, that's an interesting thing, too. Because sometimes I look at, like, what dark skinned dudes are really making it out here in hip hop on that type of level? And like you have Kendrick, but it's but like then no one knows who Kendrick is though, which is kind of crazy because he's on all these late night shows. He did that amazing performance at the Grammys, was that 2014? 
and people still don't know who Kendrick is, but people know who J. Cole is, and he doesn't have a single, and the singles that he's tried to do have all pretty much kind of failed, um, aside from Urban Radio. But, he, but, but that's the thing, but he can, st- he can still do Madison. I'm amazed that he can do Madison Square Garden for like two nights. You think it's because he's light skin? Um, I would say up to a point, yes. I mean, because I think that one of the main reasons why Drake even got in was because of his exoticness. Mm. But I, th- I think I think Drake's success was a culmination of many many things, like the hip hop since nineteen eighty seven, dude. Yeah. Uh, you have that. You have Drake being on Degrassi, so he's pulling he's pulling an audience in from all different types of sectors, and he just he just learned how to to kind of house them. But also, he wrote on the coattails of Lil Wayne, mm-hmm. which then you know, but which then he grew his own base. And then when Nicki when Nicki Minaj came around, he did the same shit with her. He kind of rolled on her coattails, and he gained. I, I, would, I would argue, I mean more of a female audience at that point because when Drake first came out he was like more of a backpacker and then it was like yeah women mess with him but still there was still this backpacker kind of nigga element especially when he started doing those all those mixtape cuts with, with Wayne when Wayne was about to come out with the Carter 3 nah but the chicks they were always on I remember that time when Drake was coming out cause um it was after, like, like it was like after them. It was like just after the MySpace era, because I remember because Drake used to hit you back on MySpace <laughs> and he used to talk to you. But um, like, cause remember his uh, when So Far Gone came out. Um, I remember on a AOL Instant Messenger, all the chicks had quotes from him on the, um on their away messages, and. You remember he had showed you the best on like he had all them backpacker joints, but they had showed you the best on there, and he had showed you the best and successful and showed you the best that joint. Um, or oh, it was it called best I ever had that yeah. joint that like that joint shot up, and then I guess with his affiliation with Trey Songs, you know, of course that helped as well because Trey Songs was unsuccessful. But see, but all right, well. All right, because, all right, because well, I remember like the like, remember my theory about Trey Songs like. Because that kind of plays into like this this weird thing about Drake anyway, but I'm thinking more about comeback season Drake because when oh yeah because comeback season Drake he still wasn't like that ladies man like he started gaining an audience and then was so far like I really think that brand new is more the like a the epitome of that female audience that that he did come to gain. Also, um, don't forget closer. When he wrapped uh, over the Guapale joint, yeah, but see, but the thing, but no one even knew what that was. Oh man, people love that song to this day. Matter of fact, um, somebody put out a Drake mixtape recently, out of like you know just random joints that weren't on albums, and that was on there. But um, I think Wayne said something recently because he's been doing interviews here and there um, that kind of go under the radar. But he said that, um, and like a lot of them been on ESPN and stuff, which is kind of weird. But Wayne said he told Drake, like, "Yo, just, just, just do this stuff for the ladies and cultivate that audience." And um, I think Drake even said something like, 
uh, before about his father told him to, you know, sing on tracks and, you know, you know, do the singing thing more. So I think that, you know, those type of influences also um, help with his, his rise to um, stardom. Mm. But see, but like, like, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, because on So Far Gone, he had some type of singing joint that I really didn't like, but all the chicks loved it. Are you sure it wasn't brand new? Maybe. I don't know, because I kind of skipped past some joints. I ain't going to lie. Um, Drake is one of them dudes who I pick and choose uh, which songs I can really get with. Yeah, well, like, cause well, also, you know, Drake, I guess Drake, as we kind of know now, he emerges. Okay, so we had a hip hop since 90, 1987, you know, Wayne, Wayne's influence. And this is still kind of before Nicki Minaj and then even like, you know, his whole thing with the grassy. But then he also gets Trey Songs on track with him. And this is still around the same time when Trey Songs become, you know, he's still trying to become Trey Songs in a sense. Right. Because this is this is around the time when Chris Brown, you know, went under after the whole Rihanna thing. But he was trying to gain traction with that Transformer joint that featured Lil Wayne, but it really didn't pop off the way it was supposed to. That's and Trey Songs. Song. Yeah, it, it was. Well, it, yeah, it is. And then Trey Song just came out of nowhere with the Black Roses, and he stopped talking about AIDS, and pretty much the same thing. He started, you know, he started talking about women and got muscles and stuff. I mean, yeah, I um, I was just talking about this with my girl the other day, like how Trey Songs said his first two albums, he was doing songs that were about stuff. He had some about his mother and songs about issues and stuff like that. And then his third album, he started doing these songs about sex, and that's what really started popping off. So he just kind of went with it. But that's not what he was, you know, originally about. And I always go back to um, the song that he did with Saigon, Pain in My Life. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was Saigon's first single from, um, you know, Greatest Story Never Told that was supposed to come out on Atlantic Records. And that song was, I mean, real talk, I mean, that was a great song to me. But even though it had Trey songs on it, it didn't like even for me, somebody who likes songs with lyrics and about issues and stuff. I can't listen to that song because he's talking about some very depressing things on there. <laughs> so could you listen to the to the uh, the G Dup and Faith Evans joint before that one? Um. Yeah, but I have to choose to listen to it. I couldn't have it forced on me by uh, radio. I mean, that's. I mean, this nigga said I have a cigarette for breakfast. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like G. Depp. He's one of those guys. I think a lot of bad boy artists are um, those those tortured genius souls <laughs> that people talk about. Like, like when you talk about those tortured artists, and, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, a lot of people, you know, talk about shiny suits and everything when it comes to Bad Boy, but when you listen to the heart of Bad Boy Records music, some of that stuff is extremely grimy. I mean, you look at G-Dap, you look at Black Rob, you even look at Biggie. These were not shiny suit people. You look at the locks. Like, man, yeah, money, power, respects. And, like, you know, a lot of people fault Diddy for a lot of the things that happened with a lot of his artists. But, I mean, he's just picking dudes off the street. Just like, yo, rat. (laughs) 
And these people have all kind of issues and stuff like that. So it's like he can't really control what happens with them. I mean, that's true. I mean, I don't know. But I mean, he... But I think he's still, you know, he's still cultivated a lot of these people in, in different ways, you know, like based on like the Black Rob Combat Jack episode. Mm. You know, it was, you know... It was interesting in, in Black Rob, you know, essentially, Black Rob just kind of kept trying, and eventually, he just happened to come along with Woe, and that's what, you know, sparked off his album. Yeah. That's a classic record, too. Um, but, I mean, that whole Bad Boy era, I don't know, that's, that whole thing was interesting. I remember, it's funny looking at it in retrospect, because even though I was, you know, very young at the time, I remember not really liking that stuff or fighting against it. But now looking back, like, yo, that shit was dope for, you know, especially for the commercial music at the time versus, you know, some of the commercial joints that we have at the time. You know, I like, I guess for our generation, it would be uh, D4L and Laffy Taffy, at least for my generation, because you're a bit younger than me. But I remember specifically when D4L hit and, you know, the uh, Talib Kweli fan in me rebelled against that shit. But looking back at it, I'm like, oh, man, that shit is dope. And then when Young Thugs, I feel like Fable, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he had Fable in the video. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean... I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like of like that one single that I hated on that eventually, you know, I just I just couldn't you know deny it. I can tell you one right now. <laughs> oh yeah, tell me. Fetty Wap, um, that Fetty Wap joint, not Trap Queen, but the but the new. The, not, I mean, it's not even new anymore because he has so many right now. Um, what is it? Uh, you. He, uh, he, uh, you know that real repetitive ass uh, Fetty Wap song. That, yeah, uh, I, I know what you're talking about. It's pretty much it's essentially in the same vein as Trap Queen, but it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, Drake got on it, which made yeah. it even bigger. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that is um, like, and I think Taxstone talked about this. And when you really like analyze the lyrics, you can really tell, like. That song is about beefing with a dude from his hood, and he's like kind of shitting on the dude. But you can't really understand what he's saying, and he's just doing this melody, and he's making it sound like it's about a chick, so you can't even really tell. Hmm. Well, no, well, I mean, well, I, well, I was talking about like a single that I hated on it, like kind of, kind of in my day. Okay. Um. I mean, but see, but, like, that time, like, like, I mean, that time was full of, like, nothing but Drake and Wayne type shit. And, too, like, even, like, you know, like, the Lollipops and stuff like that, those are songs that I still don't like. Oh, I I love Lollipop. No homo. (laughs) (laughs) But when that song hit, I was like, yo, this is a, like, this is a well-put-together record right here. Like, you know, when it came out, though, I I, I didn't see it. I, I didn't see the epicness of that song. I still don't. I mean, it was crazy, and that was the, I think that was the first song where they dropped the video and the song at the same time because the formula used to be you drop the the song, 
he waited a while, then he dropped the video. But I remember on Worldstar, that joint just hit. Yeah. And it was like, oh, man, like, this song is crazy. And I guess that was the beginning of this whole melodic type of thing where you have dudes that rap. But, I mean, it's like, is that really a rap song? Uh, that's a very good point. I don't know, man. Like, I mean, because, I mean, Wayne has so many songs like that. And you, you can go go to uh, his last album. What was it called? The, you talking about the Carter 4? No, it's one of the one that came, no, the one that came out just now. Oh, 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 the Free Weezy album. Yeah, I mean, he, he I mean, he essentially does does the same the same thing on there on certain on certain songs, but and it's kind of like I'm I'm single, like like you know how that song is. Oh man, that song was dope. Did you like that song? Well, I guess that was that was a song that kind of grew on me, but I still don't really like it. I, I, I like I like the beat more than anything. Oh man, I, th- I thought that that joint was crazy. Matter of fact, I'm a I'm a put I'm a ride around this week to that mixtape. That was a dope ass mixtape. Uh, what was it called? Um, no ceilings. Okay, well I will say I will say that that no ceilings was something that I kind of hated on, and then you know looking back on it, I can't deny it. The shit was kind of that was one like I think that was one of the only mixtapes that actually had like a a, re- a recurring theme all all the way through. Um, I'm gonna have to say, and this is like one of the top mixtapes of all time, is uh, Joe Budden Mood Music 2. Now, can you come out as a mixtape or is it technically an album? I mean, it was a mix. I mean, it was, he put it out as a mixtape. It had DJ on, on point all on there. I mean, eventually he dropped the no DJ version, but I mean... And he, I mean, he rapped on other people's beats here and there, I, I, I believe. But um, mm. that that joint, Move Music Two, was uh, that was like a like a like a like a turning point in I guess mixtapes at the time, at least for me, because it was like, damn, like this is crazy. Mm. And he's like, you know, really going in on his depression and like just all this crazy stuff and I can't remember if it was two or three because two and three are both really dope it was one of them we had this like he had this one song I really can't like certain songs that come out I can't listen to like they're so dope I just can't listen to them because they're just so graphic like you know the pain of my life and then like he had some song about some chick who had brain cancer and it's like I can't listen to this but the song was just crazy (laughs) (laughs) and then um I was trying to think of another song like that. Uh, I don't know, it's a couple of them, but those songs that just really hit hard. But Joe Budden, that one song that he had, he's telling a story about the chick with brain cancer. I was like, man. That that joint is serious. I'm looking forward to Joe Budden's new album. Uh, Matter of fact, um, there was a a point in time when I had everything that Joe Budden did. Yeah, I remember that 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 period in your life. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I maybe I guess he's someone I need to like go back and listen to. Yeah, I mean, he's like 
Joe Budden, we, we, you know, you talk about Kid Cudi. He's like a lyrical version of Kid Cudi um, for a lot of his records. Mm. To where, you know, he's really going in on certain things that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, even on his uh, commercial album, you know, I know he had Pump It Up and people associate him with that. And that's what's crazy is, like, you talk to people... And they know Joe Budden for Pump It Up and Love and Hip Hop. But it's like, I know Joe Budden for 10 minutes. And I know Joe Budden for the song he did for Stack Bundles. And I know Joe Budden for the joint Stained. And, you know, just all the Mood Music 2 and 3 and Dear Angie and, like, all these other type of joints. But it's like, people just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you, you know, I, I'm, I guess thinking of a single that... I kind of, well, see, I guess this is another instance that it was kind of like, I guess, in my time or like in, in, in the twilight of my time. And I still don't exactly like the song all the way, but I guess I, I respect it for what it is. Um, bands make a dance. Mm. But the thing is, though, it's essentially, it's Wayne that makes the song. Mm. And, and as we know, the single isn't the original song. The original song is a very grimy song that has like three Juicy J verses on it. <laughs> that happened to that happened to become you know what it became to be. Mm. You know what? There's a lot of singles like that where where Wayne makes it a song that you listen to. Because um, you're talking about that reminds me of this Joel Santana joint with uh, Young Jeezy off his second album. Um, that joint. I mean, I'm gonna show you how to cook that work that. It, well, you know, I I forgot exactly how it goes, but you know what song I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's where a song is so ignorant that I just don't want to like it. And the beat isn't really that great, but I think sometimes experiences around a song make you like it more. <laughs> well, see, boy, that's the thing. I mean, it... Like me going back and like liking the song, it's not based on the experiences. It's just based on me just you know liking Juicy J more now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll do it too. <laughs> yeah, and just like gaining a better understanding of of the sphere that he exists in and how well he does it compared to to other people. Yeah, I guess I didn't like I didn't like that whole Dipset era, but then going back, I really like it now, and I and I guess. You know, I guess the difference from you is now I can tie it to experiences, you know, hearing um, I really mean it in a club and stuff like that and seeing the reaction. But now I can appreciate the music more than I did at the time. And I'm not exactly sure why, but I get a nostalgic fe- uh, feeling from all that Dipset stuff where Whoa. at the time I was like, man, fuck this Rudy Pooty Moody <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Well, you well you try to find a way to tie Santana's town into that into that whole mix. I mean, I didn't like uh, Santana's town at first, but then after talking to you about you know the, just the way that he was rhyming on there, it kind of reminded me of um, how I didn't like Freeway at first. Mm-hmm. But he's he's one of my favorite artists of all time, and like just the abstract patterns of rhyming are just, you know, really crazy. Um, 
I think because of the type of artist that some of these people are, like a Jewels or a Freeway or something like that, people don't people aren't going to take the time to really analyze it for its value, you know, from a, I don't want to say literary sense, but, you know, just from a creative artist type of sense. But it was really crazy, some of the stuff that he was just doing lyrically on there. Well, you know, um, I, I, I was actually thinking about Santana's Town last week. And... I'm I'm saying this right now, like Santana's Town is one of the weirdest hip hop songs that that ever that ever. Period. It's one of them. It's probably in my top five of weirdest hip hop songs ever uh-huh. because it still doesn't make any sense. The beat is off beat. Technically, he's rapping the, and then I think that's another thing too. Like like the music video kind of plays a part into my thinking of the song. Because I can just see him with, with, you know, with the oversized clothes, the champagne bottle, and he's pouring the champagne on the girls, and then it just randomly goes back to camera on the hood, <laughs> all in pink, but the Benz is white, and so then it kind of messes with my with my sense of Cameron because the thing about Cameron is that I think of I don't really think of. Um, SDE can't be SDE Cameron anymore. I think a Purple Haze slash Killer slash uh, Killer Season Cameron mm. slash Crime Pays Cameron slash Public Enemy Number One Cameron or Glitter Cameron, and so I associate him with not all pink. So me seeing him with certain elements of pink inside, like an all white Benz, kind of messes with what, with what I think about him. And then he just kept, he just he's saying something that's irrelevant to the song, <laughs> and it doesn't make it just, it just doesn't make any sense. I think that's why I didn't like it at first, but now I've realized that shit doesn't have to make sense. Um, and I, I guess for an example, I'll I'll bring up nice and smooth. Uh, what's it, Dwick? I vaguely know what you're talking about. DWYC. And, like, I don't know what the hell these dudes were talking about on the song, but it's a classic record. Um, I guess since this is uh, one of these type of episodes, I'm going to just play it over the phone on the mic. <laughs> Remember this song? Uh, 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 it was on Gangstar, Hard to Earn. Remember this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yo, yeah, what, like, what the hell were they talking about on here? Hold up. Alright, so right now they're rapping for themselves and everything. Like, yo, come on. 
Okay, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know, but I think the, the main thing about this song is that it actually has a beat to it. Santana's town doesn't. I guess it doesn't. I'm, I mean, yeah, I mean, it took me years to catch it, but I think I, I, I like, I think I finally caught it, and it, it, it does kind of have a beat to it. You just gotta just be in that zone of Dipset of those ultra sped up samples for no reason. But see, but then, but also like another another point in of the song that I don't understand because all right. In the music video, when he has a champagne bottle, he starts pouring it. That, uh, that you know, that's when the breakdown comes, and he's like, "Drink it, drink it." You know, you thirsty. Oh yeah! Oh my but, goodness! Hold up, yo! When that part used to come on in the club, because I remember that that time, because you know that was when I was in Howard. Yo, they used to play that joint, and everybody would go crazy. Like, drink it, drink it. I know you thirsty. <laughs> right now, this is the thing. I haven't heard this song in a while, right? But the thing is, if I remember clearly, because I've been I've been studying this song since I was a t- like a preteen, damn near. Like I feel like I could write a book on Santana's town because if I re- if I recall correctly, he's talking about the block, and then he goes right into talking about that the girl is thirsty, but it makes no sense. <laughs> And then the breakdown is off beat. Kind of sort of. Hello. That slowdown part was dope. I think this is why I ain't like it. Cause it ain't made no sense. Hold up. <laughs> Joel's dip dip Santana set set. And when I heard that, I was like, yo, this shit don't make no fucking sense. Yeah, who you with with throw your tech tech. And then something something shout out your set, dip set, dip set. <laughs> like hold up. Hold on, wait. Rewind it back to when he comes in because that that makes no sense either. That oh. really makes no sense. Hold on, it's coming. Of my whole selection. <laughs> okay, so the whole bird gang is here, like Kurt, like Kurt Cobain was here, like. But it sounds so good, though. Oh, man, I don't know, man. I mean, sometimes, like how 50 Cent said, you just got to say the right thing at the right point, at the right time, on the right beat, at the right part, and the right beat. And it just, it's just going to go. Mm-mm. 
don't know, man. It's like it's like a dude who's trying to make a website pop. So he's putting a whole bunch of stuff that's gonna pop in the search engine. So it's like, all right, we're gonna throw some gangster shit up in here and Kurt Cobain when the beat drop. Mm, I don't, uh, it's, I don't, it's, I don't, it, I, it's, it's still something about this art. Like the the song, the beat is so off beat that he has to come in, you know, in during the course, and it's not at the very end of the course. He has to come in damn near a bar and a half before the course even goes off. But I mean, that's that's some Wu Tang shit though. It was Wu Tang shit, but at least the beats were in four four. That was some shit they were just doing. But he really has to do this shit. I mean, I think this is I, 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 like I think it's just hard to catch because there's so much stuff going on, like like a Public Enemy track or something. I mean, but even uh, but be, uh, it's just. Uh, you, I mean, it, it just sounds like, well, I mean, well, I guess that's the point. You have women who are yelling. You have Cameron who's talking about dipset. You have Jewel talking about orangutans. <laughs> it's, it's just too much shit going on. And then, and then you're trying to figure out the drum pattern, but you really can't hear under, under like the, these heavy, these heavy classic music, classical music simps or, yeah. or samples or whatever. I mean, but that's, I don't know, like, to me, at this point in my life, that's what makes it dope, like, just the off I mean, at the time, there was nothing that sounded like that, at the, like, it just was a whole, I mean, I'm gonna take it back to, like, when I first heard the Neptunes, right? Mm-hmm. And how that was a brand new sound. Nobody heard it, and it was just so dope. Like I remember, um, I think you had the single. Remember the Mace joint? Why are you over there looking at me? Yeah. And I was like, damn, that was joint. I didn't even know who the Neptunes were at the time. I'm like, yo, I never heard anything like this before. And then like they kept coming with these joints, and then it was like, okay, it's Neptune. So like when um when the Runners first came out, and they came up with Rick Ross hustling. And then they came out with that like it's like damn I never heard nothing like this. So same thing with I guess the heat maker sound like when that joint first hit it was like oh man this is crazy and it's kind of weird like if you heard Cameron before from SDE and Confessions of Fire and even before that to the um, Children of the Corn stuff it's like yo what is going on here but. I mean, when you really break it down and listen to it, it is kind of lyrical and very creative. Well, well, see, that's the thing. Like, I, I like I don't really count that as like a heat maker's beat. That is not a heat maker's beat to me. Well, let me see who made it. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, I'm sure. That, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised they made it, but it's just it's not. I don't think it's that sound. I think that's that sound. I just think it's them not being lazy with their sound, because you can tell when they being lazy. Like with the Kanye joint. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, let me play. Uh, let me find a lazy heat makers joint from that era, because that Kanye joint. You talking about the joint on the um on the beautiful dark twisted fantasy? Uh no, uh, Jesus. 
Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about yeah the last oh, joint. Yeah, homeboy, they did they did something on uh, Twisted Fantasy. Um, did did they do that Rick Ross joint? I thought Kanye did that one. Oh, maybe he did. Part. I remember the heat makers being on something, but like a real lazy shit. What uh? What album was it? It's a Cameron album where it's this real lazy heat makers. I think it was Cameron. Maybe it was a Dipset album. That joint with Cameron and Jewels, um, Shake, not Shake. Was it Shake? No, yeah. I, uh, are, you, are you thinking about going down um, the Jewels joint? Let me see. No, no, not that joint. I'm just talking about. That joint took some time, but it was just one joint. Hold up. Maybe it's on Dipset album. Uh, I mean, well, you could probably just go to a Pat Poos mixtape or JR Writer or the first writer's block and probably get a whole bunch of lists. <laughs> <laughs> that was nothing but just a whole bunch of women screaming on, on every track. Hold up. Uh, diplomatic Immunity. I'm harassing years. This joint rang off in the club, though. For some reason. Well, well, I don't, I don't think that. I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't classify that as, as a lazy beat per se. Hold up. Oh man, what's really good? That joint was. Even this joint was kind of lazy. Remember this? Yeah. It sound, I don't know. To me, it just sounds good. Like, I'm just nodding my head to it. <laughs> What do you think about the the uh, bounty then? I don't understand it. People say like this is Kanye coming back to his old sound and everything like that. I I don't understand the song. I don't know what it's about. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the closest Kanye has gotten back to this form that people this form that people are talking about was on ASAP Rocky's album. Yeah, and I don't th and I don't think he made that beat. I mean, even on Big Sean's album, he kind of did his thing, but, um, I don't know. I mean, I love that Kanye single, um, what, what's Kanye West single from his album? Hold up. Kanye West, <laughs> uh, niggas, oh yeah, all day, nigga. That's right. I, I still haven't listened to it. I, I don't, I don't think I have at least. All day, nigga. This is hard. Hold up, this is breakdown in here. Hold up. All day niggas. How long you niggas? Bob, Bob. All day niggas. Looking at me like a fucking day niggas. I think we come at this part right here. At that moment, I despair. At that moment, I despair. I don't know what the fuck this is about, but. 
And you break down the beat into some. Oh, here we go. So. Let me just break down this part right here for no reason. There it goes. I guess I like it because that's some, like some shit I would do. <laughs> well, I don't. Well, I, I, I mean, has this has this like officially come out like on radio? Yeah. The, the I mean, are you sure there isn't like an edited radio version? Yeah, there is an edited radio. I mean, okay, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure there is. Who's gonna listen to that? Yo, that shit. I mean, I've heard it on the radio. I mean, well, not not with that whistling shit on it. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I think they do cut it off. <laughs> like like how they do with some of them Kendrick joints. <laughs> man, they don't, niggas don't want to hear that, man. They want to hear about being, you know, all day out working in the field or something. Like with um with that Kendrick joint, I they cut off my favorite part, which is that whole joint towards the end. But um, I go to the bathroom. Let's take a break real quick. I'll be right back. <laughs> all right. Johnson Podcast. Hold up. Make sure you rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. That way, our podcast gets higher in the rankings, and we can gain a bigger audience, bring you bigger guests, and keep giving you this great content that we do week after week. With that, let's get into the show. Um, Channel 10. Call is now being recorded. Okay, we're back. Channel 10 Podcast, Channel 10 Podcast.com. Search us on iTunes and all of that. So, yeah, going into this music, Kanye West all day. Um, so, yeah, um, and it does kind of annoy me how you told me earlier, like the radio versions where they cut out the dope part of the song. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, they, they definitely, I remember when uh, Kendrick Lamar's Eye first came out and they cut off that whole part at the end. Um, well, at first they didn't and then they started cutting it off. I'm like, yo, this is where it breaks down and gets crazy. Well, the last thing where they want is a, a seven minute song that talks about a black man loving himself. <laughs> I mean, if you. Um, there are the arguments that uh, the radio and hip hop is a uh, um, another part of the prison industrial complex, so uh, they can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> Should I, um, I'm pretty sure about that, but I mean, when when is this uh, Kanye album supposed to be coming out? Um, I saw an article in Smoking Section that said that um, if he decides to even put it out, it might be like another year. Because mm. he, you know, wants to make sure it's right, and he's working on the other, all this other stuff. So, I guess is a four or five seconds joint. Remember that song, four or five seconds with him, Rihanna, and uh, Paul McCartney. I'm not sure if that's on his album or uh, Rihanna's album. But um, oh yeah, I, I was I was I was confused about all the shit with Paul McCartney being featured and everything. I, I, I got lost. He was listed as a feature on All Day. Well, yeah, I'm like I'm like where. I mean, Kendrick Lamar was too, but 
And then uh, um, I think a reference track did come out with Kendrick on it, and then some of Kanye's lines were in it. And basically, I think Kanye was like, anybody who has anything to do with the song, he wants to give some type of credit to or something like that. So it's like 20 billion features on there, even though it's just him and a beat. <laughs> but I mean, the way that he... um. Oops. The way that he puts his joints together, you know, at least to me, it seems like it's working for the most part. But um, I must say, I am looking forward to Rihanna's album um, because it's supposed to have more of a Caribbean type of flair to it, supposedly. So, um, and apparently she's been working with uh, Dre Skull and um, Sizzla and some other people. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, I think it, I think it'll work for her, but maybe not exactly in the American market. I mean, fuck the American market. <laughs> um, it's a lot. I mean, like just listening to these recent Master Ace interviews, he was talking about how like certain songs of his caught on in Europe. And, like, when he went out there, he was, like, a big star out there, and he didn't even know it. <laughs> oh, damn. I mean, well, like, I mean, if you look at Rihanna's record sales domestically, she doesn't really sell, like, a, a lot of records for someone of her status. I mean, like, well, at least what you, what you would think she would sell. Yeah, I mean, but even so, she still sells more than everybody else. I mean, I mean well, yeah, but that, but that's like still collectively, I think you know worldwide. Mm. She's kind of like a Shakira. I mean, you look at like Shakira, like she doesn't even sell like a whole bunch of records. See, like, that's the thing. Like, I think that's the thing. Like when, you, like when you really start like to like look at certain people, like even Beyonce, like Beyonce kind of stopped selling the records domestically when she became like really big. When she became like a big, you know, world icon. That's when her her sales like in the United States kind of went down. It seems, and she just started selling some like shit loads of albums all throughout the world. That's I guess she give up one thing for the other. I mean, but when you really look at that lane, the only people that you have are Rihanna and Beyonce, and Rihanna's trying to, um, you know. I guess she's trying to create a difference to where she's offering up a different product than Beyonce is. So she has to do this, like, wild, crazy stuff and then go back to, you know, her roots with the Caribbean-type stuff and all of that just to appear different so that she can exist in the same world that Beyonce is existing Because, I mean, you got... Rih I mean, you got Beyonce, you got Rihanna. Shakira. Shakira. And I don't know, maybe Lady Gaga. I don't know. I haven't really followed her, followed her though. I mean, I was gonna say Keisha Cole. <laughs> Keisha Cole, really? I mean, when you think, I mean, just in the R and B realm of people who are considered to be R and B singers, like female R and B singers, who do you have? You have Carrie Hilson. She came on one album. I think she's had about two or three now. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. 
I thought after she said something about Beyonce, she never came out with an album after that. Let me see. Carrie Hilson. I met her one time, man. She was mad cool. Yeah, she only has that one out. Oh, okay, two albums. One in 2009 and one in 2010. Okay, we'll see. Because I remember when that song was out. And, being and, pretty or something. And I don't even think... I think her first album might not have gone anywhere because... That song wasn't on her first album, from what I can see from Spotify, looking at it real quick. Oh, the so one with Lil Wayne. I think the Pretty Girl Rock, let me see, second album had Pretty Girl Rock. I don't know what song you're talking about, Lil Wayne. She has... Yeah, I think it's one of, it's one of her first albums. That's, that's the one that she became known for. Um, Lil Wayne. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Turning me on. Yes, right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I do remember that song now. Yeah. How do I? How do I remember this shit? I, I feel like I should be on a red light special podcast just talking with them. <laughs> you know, I have. You know, I've been meaning to listen to that podcast, but I haven't had a chance to. <laughs> well, you know, they, they had an end up interview with a Jaheem like a while ago, like like an hour and like thirty minute interview with him. Mm. I listened like the most of it. It was it was pretty interesting, but I mean, but a lot of the things that you talked about, I already knew about them. Mm. I think I think it was much more uh, revealing to see him on this one, the Smack DVD music video of going down with Will Santana. <laughs> 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 I still can't get over that shit when I saw that. He's one of them dudes who transcends, because uh, he fits in it. I mean, like, our parents like Jaheim. I mean, yeah, but, like, nowadays, like, he's adult contemporary, whatever that really means. But he's, I mean, that's, like, 95.9, but, I mean, he's a street nigga, but I guess he's just doing what works for him. Oh yeah, but I mean, but but see, it's, it's interesting though because like you know he still comes out with albums, he does good numbers, but he's like adult contemporary. But he has on these albums that they play on ninety five point nine, he has songs like Pussy Appreciation Day, <laughs> and I'm like, how the fuck is this nigga getting on ninety five point nine? Yo, one thing I've learned working in the office. Yo, these old women are freaky. <laughs> Yo, oh man, I didn't even tell you about some of the stuff that I've heard. So, like, on the other uh, side of the cubicle, there's some older ladies, and I, and I overhear their conversation sometimes. So, they talk about going to the gym. Oh, yeah, there used to be this ladies' gym I used to go to. It was all women, but they used to have all male trainers, I guess, to attract the ladies. And I had this one trainer. And his body was so fit, and he had a butt that you could bounce a quarter off of it. And he let us do it one time. And I was like, oh, goodness. No, uh -oh. Then I had to overhear a conversation with them about, um, what was it? I think it was lifeguards who were uh, getting naked when they were, you know, you know, you know changing to go and, uh, I guess, do their job. And they were going in on that. And I'm just like, yo, these old women are freaky as hell. 
Well, I mean, around what age are we talking? Like late forties, early fifties. Oh well. Mid fifties. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, you know, I guess if you look, um, if from, from what I'm understanding, like, biologically, then it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, I was about to say the same thing, that, you know, as humans, as uh, human beings, as uh, homo sapiens, you know, we are apes, you know, we're, <laughs> and it goes back to the conversation that we had before about how black people don't believe in evolution, um, and we talked about this before the podcast, how, like, you know, black people have this thing about, I ain't no fucking monkey, which I understand, but from a scientific classification, all human beings, black people, white people, Asians, Hispanic, whatever you are, you're an ape. And, or, um, are we apes? Or is it like another name for, I forget. But we're some type of thing that is, uh, you know, connecting us. Oh, uh, uh, we're primates. That's what we are. So, when you think about it, um, when you think about an animal that's uh, based off of instinct, and so we're based off of instinct, and so we might have all these high-minded thoughts of, you know, whatever esoteric things that we're into and multiverses and physics and mathematics and everything, but at the end of the day, we're driven by our base instincts, and that is to, you know, reproduce and yeah, so, repro reproducing and have that appreciation day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, at the end of the day, that's what's going to work because that, that taps into our animal instinct of, you know, pussy appreciation. Well, I think I think we I think we've uh, we've discovered a name a name for this episode. I ain't no monkey. <laughs> I ain't no monkey. Oh man. Yeah, that should be that should be fun. Yeah, let's see if that gets some hits. Um, I guess um going into another realm outside of hip hop. Oh, 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 we about to say something. Um, well, I, I was going to go, like, I still don't understand what's going on with the, with the Terrapins episode. Ah, you, you, you think it's broken, like, for real? You think, like, it's broken? Like, there's no way it's still at, like, at the amount of plays that it's at right now. I don't know, because our last episode, the Bullman episode, it seemed like it's stuck. But I like I know that there's no way that it's at the place that it's at right now. No, maybe we need to talk to sound to SoundCloud people about this. I don't know. Yeah, sometimes the plays seem like they're getting stuck. But shout out to everybody who's listening. Me and Odell. 
But um, I guess to take it out of hip hop into a more scientific realm, um, just some things I've been interested in recently and looking at. Um, you, you uh, have you seen the uh, the new discovery of uh, liquid water flowing on Mars? Um, no, I've heard about it. Nah. Oh man, it's real interesting because, like, you know, they've known that there's water. I didn't know this, but apparently there's liquid water on the ice caps of Mars, and mm-hmm. not I'm mean, not liquid, uh, frozen water, ice on the ice caps of Mars. <laughs> um, and so, like, apparently there's been like these uh, pictures that they've taken of Mars that show like different colors on the surface in different times or whatever. And basically, they've traced it to um, being attributed to liquid water flowing on Mars, or at least, you know, doing something. And um, that's a huge discovery because, you know, water is uh, a, uh, it, you know, it's a building block of life. You know, you can't have life without water, um, you know, from what we know on the Earth. So, that's huge. Um, and I was looking into it. And so basically what they're saying, one scientist theorizes that um, basically, you know, when you add salt to water, the freezing point changes. Um, So if you have like really salty water, it won't freeze. And there's a place in Antarctica where there's like a liquid lake, but but it is so salty, which is why it stays liquid. But it's so salty that no life can... um, can generate there so one scientist was like yeah um you know there is liquid water but it's because the salt content makes it liquid and there wouldn't be any life there but then another scientist was like well if it was really that salty then there would be liquid water flowing all the time so maybe because it's not liquid water flowing all the time maybe there is some point where life can generate on mars because is not salty enough to be liquid water flowing like all the time throughout Mars. And those areas where the liquid water is flowing, um, they have a thing where they're not allowed to go there. So the Mars rover can't go over those areas because it might be contaminated by uh, any type of bacteria from Earth. And I guess going back to the Star Trek thing of... um, you know, not influencing uh, alien life or whatever that isn't above a certain, you know, level, not making contact. Um, you don't want to introduce uh, Earth biology into any Mars biology that might be there and uh, contaminate it. So, hmm. I thought that was uh, really interesting. So, and then they were saying that There could be, like, you know, you could send something there, but they would have to make it so where it could get so hot that it would um, eliminate any type of earthly bacteria on it. And that costs a lot of money. So even the Mars rover that's supposed to go up there in, like, 2020 or something like that isn't going to have that technology. I think there was one in the 70s that went or some crazy shit like that. But basically, they can't go there and look supposedly because um, they don't want to introduce any type of uh, earthly uh, life to any type of Martian life that might be there. Hmm. 
So basically to me, um, and you know, listen to conspiracy theories type stuff that I listen to that say that they pretty much know there's life on Mars, but they're just trying to roll it out very slowly. And like they say that, you know, every couple of months you're going to see some new thing and it's just basically getting you ready for the discovery of alien life. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, that just piqued my interest. <laughs> well, I mean, supposedly space is, the, uh, is still the new frontier, so you got to make sure they get out all the crazies. <laughs> yeah. Probably going to have some green slaves soon or some shit. I mean, the way history goes. And then, um, <laughs> yeah. And, and like listen to that Sam Harris podcast with that um that that uh that uh physicist or whatever that mathematician uh physicist um I finally know what a universe is or what like the definition of it is and the definition of the universe is basically as far out as in space as you can see based off of the light that comes back. So, it takes light eight minutes to get from the sun to the earth. So, basically, and the universe is expanding, um, you know, the uh, the amount of visible light that we can see. So, um, basically, what we consider the universe is just the observable universe. And so, out there in space, there may be other universes you know, quote-unquote, but we can't see them because light hasn't reached back to us from there yet. And basically, the laws of physics and everything might be different in those other universes that we don't know because we can't even see it, let alone, you know, go there or something like that. Uh-huh. And, then if you, and then if the universe is infinite, basically, the, 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 uh, the whole theory is that um, everything... Everything that could possibly happen, for the most part, is happening all at the same time. And that everything that we're doing has been done an infinite amount of time. So, like, this podcast has happened an infinite number of times in an infinite number of ways. And is always happening in an infinite number of times in an infinite number of ways. That doesn't sound, and that doesn't sound depressing to you. Um, yeah, and it's funny because the physicist, uh, it's a Swedish dude he was talking to, and, uh, he kind of, like, said something about that, and he kind of said the reason why it's not depressing, I don't remember what it was, I guess because it didn't really, um, make it not depressing to me, (laughs) (laughs) whatever he said, it didn't really, I was like, uh, it doesn't really make it not depressing, but... I don't know. I guess the part of it that's not depressing is that there's always more to discover. But we'll probably die before it's discovered. So I guess that part is depressing. Yeah, I guess that too. I mean, you know, I mean, that whole thing about, you know, space and time and space time, whatever you call it. And, you know, space is always rapidly expanding. Well, I guess the thing is that that they don't know if space is rapidly expanding. 
like I guess the idea that I got from it is that the universe the universe is in space but the universe is just what we can see as far as we can see which is dependent upon the speed of light getting back to us so the so the universe is expanding based on the fact that light travels at a certain speed to get back to us so the universe is expanding constantly because light is always traveling so basically every eight minutes the universe is expanding to the point of the distance from the earth to the sun because it takes light eight minutes to get from the sun to the earth so so essentially well see well that well that's the thing you know you so if that's going on in space or so space is in some kind of weird way expanding this still means that it's expanding over this pocket of nothingness well that's the thing about nothingness is that um and the guy like basically like breaking down mathematics and like why mathematics is real um I don't, I don't, I don't think I like real deep into it kind of like even though it's nothingness supposedly you can attribute certain mathematical um uh properties to it so like it was basically saying like a, like if you look at like a particle like an electron or a quark you can have negative one or one and then space is like three because it's in three dimensions but then it has other mathematical properties as well because space is more than three dimensions it has a curvature and a, and a topography or some shit he was saying and so basically there's these mathematical things that you can attribute to space in its nothingness that contributes to everything <laughs> So it's so essentially nothingness is somethingness, right? And it connects to our brain in a certain type of way. And the question is: Is our brain adapted to that, or because we attribute words to it, but it just is what it is? But we find a language to describe it. But at the end of the day, it just is what it is. Okay, well, that's the thing. Like, it, like, or it is what it is. But and then uh, I'm pretty sure that if you ever approach this, the, you know, this hypothetical, you know, with a physicist or something like that, they'll probably say, "Well, that's impossible." So they won't. They will never think about it. Well, but oh, go ahead. But what if somehow, some way, the Elohim come and they say, "Hey, look, we can take you with this with this new shit that we just got." from the year 3005 on some Gambino type shit <laughs> and say that we can take you to this area of nothingness two years before space expands over to the to the point where I will take you and we go there what, what, what would it be? I think that there are equations that predict what it would be but I don't know what they are but basically everything like you know like everything is broken down into mathematics and equations and so 
the guy was basically saying um, Einstein's theory of relativity or whatever. I, no, no, Einstein's theory of gravity predicts black holes. And a lot of people subscribe to a lot of things in the theory, but they didn't like the idea of black holes. But black holes have kind of been proven since then. And he was basically saying if you subscribe to a theory, some of it can be proven and some of it can't. But if enough of it can be proven, then it kind of basically proves the rest of it. So you got to subscribe to the whole thing. So when it comes to something like what you're saying, there probably is a theory that um, proves certain things that explains what you just said. But what you just said can't possibly be proven. But because the rest of it is proven, whatever that theory is, uh, it's probably true. Well, well, well. See, like, well, th th this is what, like, when, when you explained to me years and years ago about this whole idea of space expanding, because of course I, I was on, I was always on the on the grounds thinking about Indians and where, and where they were. <laughs> but, see, do you, see, do you see how that, that was kind of interesting? Like, you were always thinking about updating space and genomes and shit, and I was thinking about human. Uh, oh, say it again. You uh, went out for a second. Oh, um, I was saying like you think. I mean, those things kind of funny. Like you know, when we were kids, we were both looking at different and different. We were look. We were always interested in different areas. You were you were always interested in space, while I was interested on you know on what was going on you know with the Earth or on the Earth you know years ago. Yeah. But I'm like I'm to me I'm just saying how it all connects, and and like these weird different ways looking at it through different lenses. So like, there's the uh, hippy dippy uh, spiritual type of way to look at it, where like you look in the Bible and it says as above, um, as below or whatever. So you look at like the structure of how a, a um of how a solar system is, but the planets revolving around the sun then how that relates to a galaxy and galaxies relate to uh what is it a nebula i think where they all revolve around a certain thing on a macro level they all revolve around a black hole which is at the center of the galaxy but then you look at on a micro level the electron around the nucleus of an atom and how it's all like the same thing and then how, like, the same math that you can apply to one thing, you can apply to another. And mm -hmm. then when you look at humanity and everything that's going on on Earth, um, it's kind of interesting because certain people, like, like, like certain historical peoples throughout history have had certain ideas about the way the universe works. And some of it kind of goes with some of the science is being discovered, which is kind of interesting. And the guy was saying, like, some some physicists and some, like, theoretical mathematicians have become very religious and spiritual based off of <laughs> their uh, scientific findings. Or, um, and it's, you know, real interesting um, in that aspect of it. And it just makes me wonder, like, when you think about all these things and about the way humanity works throughout history, how we were talking about, like, conquering and everything like that, you know, how all that goes together. Because I feel like it all has to go together some type of way. 
it's just finding that connection. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, well, well. To me, the thing that kind of like fascinates me about this whole idea of space expanding and you know what's before it is the fact that if you think about it cartoon cartoons in a sense have always dealt with that in so many words like this whole this whole idea of nothingness like like i mean i'm sure you can recall like certain occurrences when you watch when you were watching a cartoon as a kid and you know some really crazy absurd absurd thing would happen to like the main character where they would just be like in this in in nothing and it'd just be like nothing but a white background and they could probably hear the echo right yeah and so and i was always curious about that and then when you told me about space expanding i'm like well what the hell was before i mean is it you know will we see you know bugs bunny on the other side, <laughs> you know, fucking around, you know, doing some shit that we saw on TV, you know, 20 years before, or what? I mean, I think, I think a lot, I think the, the, the thing now is that, um, everything that's ever happened and that, and everything that will happen and everything that could possibly happen is always happening. So essentially what you're saying is that while we're talking about this right now, there are people who are talking about what we were talking about right now, while there are people who are dancing on this side of nothingness that we know nothing about. But yet right. we do know but yet we do know something about it because this is happening as we speak and we do know about it in a sense. But the thing is, if you can go faster than the speed of light and you could go past the universe to another universe to where the the quarks and leptons and atoms and molecules of the Big Bang were arranged in a different way for that particular Big Bang for them to to happen, you know, for them to, you know, go in a different type of direction than what it went in this universe, then yeah, it could be something completely different. I guess kind of like the TV show Sliders, or like, what was it, uh, the one that Sliders was based on, Quantum something or whatever, like how you can go to different universes, and that's the theory of the multiverse. I mean, well, I, I, would, I guess I would say, you know, kind of like uh, Futurama and how they portrayed um, God and everything like that. I never, hold up, I never even saw an episode where they portrayed God. Well, that's the thing, well, they, they, well, they portrayed God without portraying him. They portrayed God as the universe, but the universe could speak to him. And so, um, I, I remember we had this conversation before, way before the podcast, we, 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 done, we did the podcast, but, um, I, said, I think it was like Fry, somehow, somewhere, you know, they were in space doing some shit, and then Fry got caught in space, and, there was something talking to him and then he realized what it was, but he, but he didn't say God. And so he said, are you the person that everyone always talks about? Oh yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. But then, yeah, but then like, it wasn't like a person. It was just like, it's essentially like when he talked, it was like nothing but like stars lighting up. Mm. 
yeah. like kind of like in a pattern. And then he said, well, you know, and like the guard said, well, you know, some people tend to call me that thing, whatever they talk about, but I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what they're talking about. Mm. Or, or I think, or I, th- or I think it said, we don't know what they're talking about. And, mm. and, you know, say that, you know, we've always been here and, you know, you guys kind of came here and that's all we really know. Mm. And which I always found kind of fascinating and possibly the best way that to this day, since I, you know, from what I know, you know, like a show tackling that kind of, you know, that, that area without really not, you know, I guess, I guess in a logical yet respectful manner, but it seems like no one ever really talks about that. Man, you got to watch Star Trek, man. <laughs> like Star Trek really gets like on certain episodes, they get into some stuff, certain episodes you can skip, but especially like going into like the Native American aspect of it, um, especially Star Trek Next Generation it uh, kind of gets into certain things or that I was surprised about. Um, one, Star Trek Next Generation, and then Star Trek, uh, not Deep Space Nine, but Voyager, the one after that, because the uh, second-in-command, he was a Native American. And um, there's some real interesting things that happened with that. Because um, I remember on, like on Next Generation, I think the Native Americans from Earth got their own planet and they were able to live there but it was on the border of some some warlike alien race and so like the shit went down on the Native American planet and they were trying to like work out like the Federation was trying to work out this deal and they were like the Native Americans y'all gotta move to another planet in order for this deal to work and Native Americans were like nah like, we've been going through this shit for centuries. <laughs> 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 and, um, I, like, I think, like, it might even be the last episode of us, of uh, The Next Generation, where, like, that, like, the Native Americans on a whole nother planet, they were like, nah, our ancestors went through this. We're not doing this again. <laughs> Y'all gotta figure some other shit out. And then, like, it went to some weird spiritual alien type shit, <laughs> but yeah, man, you gotta check out Star. Like, you know, I'm a I'm a Star Trek nerd. I guess I'm a Trekkie, <laughs> but um, to me, Star Trek talks about like a lot of this type of stuff in that universe in terms of like. One, the scientific aspect of it. Another thing in terms of like race and how that goes into it as well. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been meaning for like the longest time, like to sit down and watch that. But um, um, like recently, I've, I've been, I've been starting to like use my Prime Video membership finally. Mm-hmm. And well, I see, and that's the thing. I'm pretty sure this is like really the historian in me. I really don't like to go into different realms of aliens and shit, <laughs> which is why I was never a big fan of Star Wars. Like Star Wars, um, Star Wars is different. Uh, like, like, let me interject real quick. <laughs> so, Star Wars is more so a Western played out in outer space. But Star Trek is more 
predicting shit that's going to happen. Like, and it's crazy because, like, some of the technology that they had in Star Trek that wasn't out at the time is there now. For instance, when you go into the supermarket and the door opens by itself. Or, like, how they talk to their ship. Like, how we talk to our phones now. Like, certain things they kind of, like, predict. It sounds like you, you, it sounds like you took like your, that, with those five sentences directly from the Joe Rogan, um, episode with the bit, with the Bitcoin guy that, um, I think the second episode that you did with him. Damn, I don't even remember what they talked about in there, but I do remember listening to that. And yeah, maybe, you talked about Star Trek. Maybe, I, I, maybe I did get it from there, but like. You know, um, I spent a long time watching Star Trek on Netflix, and just, and I was just amazed at everything. Like, it shit was crazy. Like, even well, even like in Deep Space Nine, how they had the black captain, and there were I think there were two episodes where they got into like black shit, and like the guy was like showing his son ancient African shit, but they're like in the future on a spaceship. Mm. Well, like, well, that, well, see, well, I think that was the thing that, that the guy was talking about, I think, on the second appearance was that he said, you know, we always talk about the future, but he was saying that one issue that, that, that never really comes up is this whole thing about how money will be in the future. Yeah. And, you know, he's saying it's, that we're starting to see it now. He said, like, he said, like, look at Star Trek. And he said, like, he, he was talking about how you can take at least one element or some shit like that from each and every series that has that you know that's come true. Um, but he said that if you but if you look at it, none of the Star Treks ever deal with money. And he says because it, oh, it, yeah, it's, it's a that. really complex thing to even think about. But yeah. now it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like I think the Star Treks they they kinda do deal with money in a way, but they deal with it in a way that's easy, so, what was I about to say, um, so yeah, like, on Deep Space Nine, like, there's a race that still deals with money, and that's the, uh, uh, what the fuck are they called, I forgot the name of them, but, like, they're, like, really dealing with money and stuff like that, but, um, like, like, the Federation, they don't even deal with money anymore, and they have, like, a way that they deal with it. Like, like, deal with, like, getting things done, which kind of reminded me of, um, it kind of reminded me of, uh, what's that guy who did, uh, Zeitgeist? Yeah, I can never remember his name. Yeah, Joseph, somebody, I think. But, um, on the third one, he basically laid out his, uh, on the third, I guess, he laid out the whole thing for, um, like a civilization that lives without money and it was really interesting to me um like his whole theory of it and how they have communities it was like zambutu or something like that it's funny because there's some african shit that he's using (laughs) (laughs) um matter of fact what was it umbutu i think it's it's something that one of the linux joints is named after i think it's umbutu or something like that Oh yeah, like yeah, that that weird tablet thing or pie or 
whatever whatever life hacker always talks about nowadays. Mm-hmm. It seems like it seems like well, I haven't really looked at life hacker in a long time, like in a while, really. But it seems like life hacker in like in the past two years has become like really super Linux based more than anything to a certain extent. I mean, I think that's because uh, Linux is the more hacker based thing to do stuff off of. So if you really want to build something and be creative with it, you got to do that, which is, um, I guess, another sidebar, um, another project that I've been thinking about for years that I got to do is, um, you know, I have two PlayStation 2s, right? Mm -hmm. So um, one of my projects that I want to do is uh, create a Linux. I want to basically run Linux off of a PlayStation 2. I know that you can do it. Yeah. But so, like, um, and, like, people use it for, like, servers and stuff like that. So, um, I'm going to get a hard drive for one of these PlayStation 2s and um, run Linux off of it and see what I can do with it. <laughs> one of these I mean, days. I mean, yeah, I was thinking about just getting a computer or, you know, if this other one ever, like, truly breaks down, I can't do too much with it. Just, like, experiment and see what would happen if I put Linux on it. Yeah. I mean, it's a free operating system, and shit, why not? I, I imagine that just playing with Linux, I'll probably learn, like, a lot about computers. I mean, you know, through my own experience, you know, this past week dealing with blue screens and shit like that. Mm. Yeah, because, like, even, like, a lot of the open source stuff that I use, like, um, I think, like, OpenOffice and LibreOffice and stuff like that was originally built for Linux. Um, cause you know, I'm, you can kind of tell, I'm, I'm the open source dude. So, you know, I use, um, open, I, like I use LibreOffice for everything. And, um, I really don't use Photoshop anymore. I use GIMP shop or I use, matter of fact, no, I use GIMP too. I don't even use GIMP shop anymore. So whatever I can oh, just, and that's, that's open source. Yep. I think yeah, I meant to get that because I think I don't I don't uh, have Photoshop anymore. I don't think. Yeah, and damn man, and and I think you can save everything as Photoshop files on there. So, oh nice. So yeah. Damn man, like. Well, I guess that's a good thing. Well, you know what I realized is that when it comes to like open source things, back in the day used to be. Well, I guess well, when it comes to word processors, like OpenOffice back in the day when I was in high school was more compatible with Microsoft Word than what it is today. Um, the only problem that I really have with it is that sometimes the pages get like, like if you open something in Word, the pages will change or whatever. So that's why if I'm doing something in um in an open office that I need to like print out or something like that, I'll I'll export it as a PDF. You see, and that's the thing, like, but then like Google Docs was kind of like you know when Google Docs came around, it was kind of like in the middle, like, you know, it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it's gotten way better now. So like sometimes I print things like straight off of Google Docs, and it's not as it's not as bad as it used to be, but I noticed that if I copy and paste from Google Docs, 
transaction to Microsoft, into Microsoft Word, the footnotes won't show up, which is something that's very, very important for me. Yeah. Another thing, too, is um, I use um, the, uh, the uh, free Microsoft Office Online. Um, like, like, like I'll start something on OpenOffice or uh, LibreOffice, and then I'll upload it to... Um, to uh, Outlook or whatever, and then it'll be on um, Microsoft Office Online, and then that's more compatible with the uh, Word and stuff like that. So that's a whole other thing. But um, let me take a quick bathroom break. I'll be right back. <laughs> All, right. All right. Make sure you rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. That way. Our podcast gets higher in the rankings and we can gain a bigger audience, bring you bigger guests and keep giving you this great content that we do week after week. With that, let's get into the show. Um, Channel 10. <laughs> Call is now being recorded. So, yeah, we've gotten into everything on this episode so far. <laughs> yeah, well, um. Well, g- going back to, to uh, yeah, to, to Amazon, um, I, I started. Well, I started watching two things. I started watching um, the uh, the newsroom, mm. which is something that I, you know, I was kind of tr- I was watching on and off like when it first came on, and I just never got around to really finishing it. And I finally I was able to now because of you know, streaming. Well, I still have like the third season to watch, but it's not on Amazon for whatever reason. And have you ever watched that one? No, I haven't watched that. Essentially, think of Mad Men, but instead of advertising, it's like literally, literally about like the like you know like the the news world and how cutthroat that can be. Mm. Like the like the MSNBCs and the Foxes and the Foxes, the Fox News of the world. Mm. Which is rather, I mean, which is kind of interesting, but the thing is, like, um, they, you know, they pretty much, you know, they use, like, you know, this, this popular news anchor, um, but the thing is, though, he's, like, really kind of tormented, and so, 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 of course, you know, that's the irony, is that, you know, it's, it's this man that people love tuning into in the evening to watch, but he's not doing what he's doing for the right reasons, but he is a Republican, and the thing is, though, He's tired of the Republican Party and what it's doing because you know it, this is around the time it's set in the time like in two thousand eight when the Tea Party kind of comes comes to power, mm-hmm. and so in private he never really talks about like well in public he doesn't really talk about his Republicanism, but he talks about it in private like with his boss, and so when he kind of makes this shift you know, towards really talking about better about like the Republican Party, he makes a correlation between I guess the Democratic Party or like liberals in the sixties and how stupid they kinda were like flower power. Yeah. And how after a while if you kinda think about it, they just got high and it didn't really, it, it didn't really make any sense. And he says that pretty much like it's kinda like the Republicans time to really have that kind of that kind of era. There, there's all this new thought coming into it, but no one knows what to do with it, and it makes the party just kind of a piece of shit for for a long time. So he wants to fix it, and uh, it's, it, I mean it's kind of weird because this is also made by like a liberal, a really super liberal dude. Mm. 
and so kind of like having to spin on certain things and he kind of used like like the show like the show as a soapbox for certain things that happen like i think um i'm trying to think of certain you know like when they kill like osama bin laden and stuff yeah. like that he kind of used that shit as like a soapbox for like america and what, what america stands for and all this other type of stuff but it's kind of it's rather interesting but i say all that to say that i got into deadwood have you ever watched that Nah, I never even heard of that. Okay, well, it, it's like one of like the the earlier um, HBO shows, and it was it was kind of in the middle of this TV renaissance that happened with The Wire. It, like, it kind of went off kind of right before The Wire kind of came on, mm. because like the golden age of television right now that we're in, it kind of um, technically it starts with The Wire. From, from from what I've read, it's The Wire, then 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 The Sopranos, and then you had the Mad Men's and the Breaking Bad's that come after that. Yeah. So anyway, Deadwood is not is nothing more but like it's, it's it's a western. The thing is though, it's based in Deadwood, South Dakota, and Deadwood was known as like this really kind of like dark place. You know, I mean, it's kind of like a typical western place, nothing but like shit that was essentially nothing like the the. I mean. The ground was was like kind of literally shit and piss. Um, you know, you had a whole bunch of prostitution, alcoholism going on. You know, your, your typical, I guess, you know, boom town, wild west town, and people wanted to go into the Black Hills. You know, which which was owned by the Sioux to get the gold. Now the thing is, though, it's not exactly your typical western because it follows kind of the western trends, but it goes deeper into the history. But the basis of, of of this show is to show how civilization is built. Mm. So it goes, so it focuses on the development of Deadwood and what goes on. So, of course, you know, after a while, you know, people are just kind of there. It's like a camp. But then they realize that, you know, well, crazy shit is happening right now. These prostitutes are going crazy. These, these diseases are kind of rampant. They have, like, I think, smallpox breaks out. So then they need a doctor. Then they need like a small government. But who makes up the government? These businessmen who own these saloons. So it's going to be corrupt because they want certain people, you know, to, to bring in certain certain like influence so they can get more money. They have like elections. So it's like all these different things going on. They kind of they kind of mix up civilization, but also at the same time. It's really like it's, it's you know this whole it's like a this whole show is kind of like a big allegory or like it's it's, it's an allegory for gold essentially mm. because that's what everyone wants and that's why and, and that's what that's pretty much why everyone is there. This somehow some way everyone's livelihood is tied around gold in some kind of weird way, even if that's not why why they came there. Mm. So like the so like the main character of the story, he was a sheriff originally, but he went to Deadwood to kind of like start like a new like like a new life. But somehow, some way, he gets caught up in gold, and he's not even looking for gold. <laughs> but um, to make a long but yeah, so it, it's rather interesting. I, I think I'm on like I think I'm on the third season now, and that's the final season. But it got canceled after a while. I'm gonna check that out because I recently. Saw that I made the payment to uh, Amazon Prime. I'm like, damn, I'm not even using this shit. <laughs> yeah, I see that supposedly they, they revamped their uh, the, the Prime Music part of it. Yeah. They it's tried a, it. I mean, every time I look for something on there, I can't find it. So, 
Yeah, they had like they have no Egyptian Lover albums on there. I'm trying to figure out why my albums don't come on there. <laughs> because they come on, uh, you can buy them, but you can't stream them on Prime. I mean, but you know, it's, that's kind of weird, though, that of all places, you would think Amazon would just be thriving with all these different types of music, but if you go to, like, the CD Babies or whatever, you know, shit is still on there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess they're still working on that aspect of it. Because I think sometimes some of these companies, they just put something out as a competition to other companies that they're rivals with in other areas. But they might not focus on it as much. So, I think Amazon Prime Music is just like, okay, look, you know, you sign up for this. Because originally Prime was just for the shipping, that they had two-day shipping. It's like, sign up for Prime and you get all this extra stuff. But the extra stuff isn't really you know, up to snuff with some of the competition a lot of the times. Hmm, well, I would say Pro, I would say Prime Video is now. Yeah, they have their own original content and everything and all of that. And they have HBO. Um, oh, yes, right, yeah. Because I used to watch um the Hellbilly show, uh, that show that everybody was all up in arms about. What was it? Um, you know, talking about the show with the um, dudes who did duck hunting. Oh, um, Duck, uh, Duck Dynasty. Right, right, yeah. So I caught a couple episodes of Duck Dynasty on there just so I could see what everybody was talking about. And um, that was only on Prime for a while. I don't know if it's still on there or not. I don't think it's on anything else. But if it is, it's on Prime. So I'm one of them people who have Prime, Hulu, and YouTube, and UFC Fight Pass. But... I have very little time to watch any of it. <laughs> See, that's the thing, man. I, I've, been, I've been meaning to catch up on UFC Fight Pass, and I saw that like one of the newer um, Joe Rogan podcasts was, um, was a Fight Companion. Yeah, they had Fight Companion this past weekend, and I'm not even sure what it was for, because I don't know what the hell the UFC is doing right now, because I've been so out of the, out of the loop. But, well, uh, I, well, I know that like two weeks ago, uh, Justin Gagey fought. You know, remember that, that that one fight where I was telling you about like a like a while, like a while back, long time ago. I do remember you talking about a fighter, yeah. And um, yeah, he went. I think he yeah, he went up again for like some you know put up a championship on the line. And apparently, he he kicked this guy's ass in like three like three rounds or two rounds, something something like that. Mm-hmm. But it was still like it was still on the World Series of Fighting, so people are kind of waiting for him to make the transition either to either to Bellator or to the UFC. That's right, because the World Series of Fighting um, it streams through uh, through the um, UFC, right? I think it does, but I think but 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 it's also it's broadcasted it's broadcasted on um, NBC Sports, like Channel Two or Channel Three on cable. Mm. Boy, boy, boy! At least in in the Baltimore region. Yeah, cause um, oh man, Bellator, man, they got they had like some type of tournament recently where like the fighters fought more than once in one night. Um, and that was like a big deal. Uh, what was it? Um, I forgot. Like I don't know the name of the event, but I know that they did have like some type of tournament where. You fought once and then you had to fight again. Oh yeah, I remember, I remember you uh, you mentioning that to me the other day. Yeah, so I got I got to check up uh, Bellator. Um, I got to say they have an app. If they don't have an app, they're really behind. But 
um, you know, Bellator is definitely going to come up, and they're, um, you know, sl you know, sl uh, slowly but surely stealing fighters from the uh, UFC. Um, and I remember um, Brian Schaub from the uh, Fighter in the Kid pro uh, podcast. He was talking about how like Bellator's name is fucking it up. Like they need a better name, but I think. Bellator means something in Latin. It might mean like fight or something. It means something in Latin. That's where they got the name from. But um, well, I I think also like I don't know from the way like Joe Rogan is talking. You know, Glory is kind of coming up too. But I feel I feel like I feel like Glory will be like the like the ECW of like all this you know all this you know MMA stuff going on. Mm. Because I think that's that's more pure like martial arts that you've really got to be in the mood like to really watch. But the thing about Glory is that they're so desperate and they're really trying to build the audience up. So like I think if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, um, all the events are on YouTube, like in their entirety without any like ads or whatever like that. Oh damn! I gotta check that out. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm always interested in the um, in the similarities between. The UFC and Battle Rap. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the way that the fights are matched up and the battles are matched up and everything and rankings and stuff like that. And there is a Battle Rap ranking website that, like, like, like ranks all the lyrics from all different battles and everything like that. Really? Yeah, I forget what it's called. Um, it like we, we, need to, we need to try to get them more because I'm interested in even seeing how they even do that. Yeah, 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 matter of fact, um, it might be like Battle Tracker or something like that dot com, but it's like one of the main battle rap websites, and they kind of like, you know, I don't, like, I'm not sure if they have rankings, but they uh, definitely keep the stats of uh, certain battlers, so. Hmm. That's really interesting, because... Let's say if they have like some type, some type of like weird algorithm that they use for like, for like <laughs> battle rappers, mm. that'd be really amazing. Like on some college football type stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like yeah, it's like some shit that that technically makes no sense. I mean, I, I still don't, I still don't understand college rankings. I mean, with battle rap, is basically the people that are going to make money. You know, whatever you're bringing to the table is what you um, get and where you're ranked in the in the, in the the stream of things. So, I mean, Lil Deluxe, he keeps losing, but he gets battles. I mean, he gets the views watching. Like, anytime Lil Deluxe is battling, I'm going to watch that joint. Anytime Hollow the Dawn is battling, I'm going to watch that joint. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess that's what they do it off of. Well, what happened to Drake, you know, going against Murder Mook? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what's really interesting is that Keith Murray and uh, Frederick Star Battle is about to come up. So I can't wait to see that. <laughs> I don't know. This, I don't, oh, that's really happening. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, because it was canceled last year, but um, now it's really going to happen, supposedly, in New York. It was supposed to happen um, um, in Atlanta. Did you listen to the combat yet? Um, not all the way through yet, 
but um yeah he was talking about it and like i was really gonna have it now so i mean i got i, I you know you know my money's on keith murray even though i'm more familiar with uh fragile stars catalog um I, I got keith murray for that one well have you have you listened to the uh the newest combat joke uh, uh, which is the newest? Because the newest one that I saw was Keith Murray. Um, the uh, the newest one is uh, now Eric Sermon. Um, oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I haven't listened to that yet. That was a A three C, right? Uh, I'm not sure. Well, all I know is that it just sounds like a mess. Yeah, it's probably A three C. Like how they, you know, did a live joint, and then they had like a bunch of people around that probably come up and stuff. So. But see, but see, but like the last time they did A3C, they did it probably. They had um, they had Ninth Wonder and then Jamaica. They had like three different interviews. They had Ninth Wonder, Feral March, unless unless these are all different, different um things. No, Feral March, he was in A3C. He might have like popped up on one of them. But yeah, they did have two. They had uh, Jermaine Knife, Dupree. Yeah, and Ninth Wonder. Yeah, and yeah. they were like really good now. I, I saw. I looked at. Like, I looked at the time of this one. You have Eric Sermon. It's two and a half hours, and you have all these different people. There's no way you can really do a full thing of Eric Sermon in two hours and really have the whole aspect. I mean, it's probably just. I don't know. I think with those live drinks, they're probably not going for that. They're probably just going for some interesting conversation. Oh, it's probably interesting. So I'm gonna check it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure it is, but like, but like, Kwan Epstein didn't even get like the full aspect of of, of Eric Sermon, but they did it as EP. No, did, no, I don't think no. They, they no, they just did with Eric Sermon. He went. He just kept going on rants. <laughs> but you have you have you have Eric Sermon, EPMD, Death Squad. You know, Dice Effects, Red Man. Um. His own solo career with the Marvin Gaye joint. You had Power of the Dollar. I mean, there's so much shit to cover with this man. The Mario Wining sample. How they use the Lindrum. I mean, there's so much shit. Damn near each and every Redman album. Mm. All the Superman lovers. Mm. Probably some crazy shit about Hurricane G since they have a baby together. That would probably be kind of interesting. Don't forget uh, Eric Onassis. What was that? He put out an uh, album under the name of uh, Eric Onassis. I remember that joint from back in the day. Cause, like something about some label joint, so he changed his name so he could put out like an album. Oh, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. And then oh, it's... shit. Um... The death, the uh, the the uh, the death squad album. Death squad album. Matter of fact, yeah, because they had that joint that the Rough Riders uh, redid for Rough Riders Volume One. Oh, is that? It's not the same as El Nino, is it? Maybe it was El Nino. I'm not sure. But well, I'm talking about. I think this is different. But um, the joint that had the uh, um. The Symphony two, uh, 2000. Oh, my goodness. With that MOP. That shit was crazy. Yeah, that shit was crazy. Even the music video was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And see, that's one thing I'm not really up on. I'm not up on APMD. 
Like that's one that's one thing in hip hop that I haven't delved into yet, um, which I gotta get up on because everybody always talks about them. But I really don't know shit. I remember I listened to a PMD solo album one time and that shit was kind of. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, if I'm, I, th- I think I, I know they have one. I think I know the first one is on um, on a list, but I think they may have two albums on the Rolling Stones. You know, greatest albums of all time. Oh man, speaking of that. Damn, we gotta uh, end this soon. But um, <laughs> people talking about um, Beastie Boys' album is one of the greatest albums ever. Which one? I forget which one. It's probably Paul Boutique. Yeah, I think that was the one. I mean, the samples on it are, are crazy, but see, that's the thing. The thing about that album is that you gotta put it into perspective because. The beats that they rapped on, they weren't intended for the album. It was kind of like the the guy who they were dealing with. Well, I can't think of his name right now. He had these beats, and they said, "Oh wow, we're going to rap on them." Mm. It wasn't like it wasn't as organic as what it became it was as what it seems. At least based on what I've read about it. Yeah, we definitely gotta um, check that out and. Uh talk about that because I'm not really up on the Beastie Boys too much either um, in terms of their album catalog but a lot of people swear by them I mean well I mean Paul Boutique was ill though I mean it's, the shit is hard I can't even lie like I mean actually I think one of my favorite songs like in hip hop is probably on Paul Boutique like the beat is crazy what song is that? I, I can't I, I can't think of the name of the song but it's like track like 11 or 12 on there hmm yeah yeah but yeah let's uh wrap this joint up um channel10podcast.com hit us up channel10podcast at gmail.com um listen to us wherever spotify not spotify but not spotify um, i'm trying to figure that out like a way to do it on spotify that would be ill that'd be revolutionary at this point yeah <laughs> Um, so we're on, uh, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, channel10podcast.com. So, um, check us out. All right. We out. Peace. Peace. Feeling this here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. Roll up, son. You gotta just do it, yo. Yo, roll up, man. It's a different channel, son. Roll up. On, man. Roll up. Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Well, what up? All good, baby, in every hood, Bridge. son. Well, what up? Yep. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Network Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, got in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, got in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef.